Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, The Life, you'll study the life of Jesus. Who is he? What is he really like? Does he care about me? Rich and Susan Collenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. They found biblical answers and now share their experience of freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose on our series, The Life. And this program title is The Good Samaritan, Part 4. Number. Yeah. What's that? Program number 50. Oh, pro- oh program number 50. So, uh, Susan, would you like to open with a word of prayer? Sure. Our loving Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about um, your principles, and we just pray now that you will send your Holy Spirit to guide our words and to um, to be with everybody who's listening as well, that um, your truth may be spoken and the principles would be true. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Mm-hmm. Um so, once again, we're on the story of the Good Samaritan, and what we've kind of determined uh, throughout this, this actually is this entire series on the life, and uh, uh, the life, of course, of, of Christ, was uh, by beholding we become changed, and what we behold um, basically will cause us to think certain, certain thoughts, and those thoughts will cause us to do certain actions, and those ap- actions will create habits, and those habits will change our character. And w- what we're— And what, our character determines our destiny. Precisely. And what we're seeing here is, um, in, the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, is the priest and the Levite had a certain mindset, which— basically made it repulsive for them to help the guy laying in the dirt, Mm -hmm. which is a different mindset that the Samaritan had who risked everything to, I don't say risked everything, but he had to overcome some fears in order to to hop in there. And and not only that, but he takes care of the guy as we're going to get into it. But uh, I wanted to ask a question before we get going, and that is, can you command love? No. Well, then why does God say, love me with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself? This, that's a commandment. So why is he doing this if you can't? And Well, why do we say we can't command love? Well, because love is a choice that a human being makes as to whether or not they want to participate in that action or not. Uh-huh. You, can't force, you can't force me to love you by saying, by anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I, I. You're speechless. I'm spe- I'm pretty much speechless. Yes. Yes. No, you don't. Right. Love. Right. Love by nature is a, has to be chosen. It has right? to be a choice that somebody makes. Then, then w- it makes me think: Why does God command us to love? Well, um, 
Because, well, what's our nature want us to our, do? That? Our nature wants us to to not love or to love self over right. others. And loving self right. by definition is not love. Self-love. It's selfless, it, selfishness. But it, see, I think yeah. that God is trying to say, um, these are the things that are going to keep you righted, are going to keep you focused in the right direction. And if you do these, then you will have a specific outcome. So, you know, it's kind of like, I I hope I don't have to say, I love you, Rich, now you must love me back, uh-huh. right? It's something that, um, it's a choice that we both make, and then we participate in certain actions and certain characteristics okay. in order to grow that. Okay, I, I like that. So, Because for us as human beings, being selfish and being self-protective, and I, I like to go back to do a couple objects lesson, like how do you learn math? Well, I, I learned it by sitting in a class, watching the teacher do the math and explain it, and then I had to go and I had to apply it and do it myself. Mm-hmm. Take it home, and you did what you call homework, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, how do you learn how to spell? By watching, mm-hmm. being instructed, then you do what? You right. apply yourself and you do it. When you actually do it, mm-hmm. you learn it, right? right? Well, how do you suppose we learn to love then? It is by practicing by it watching it. jesus or watching a loving person right right and then say wow so that's how you care for a person or that's how you do that's how you interact with a person or right. that's how you don't get mad when somebody's acting like a jerk or whatever right and some of us sometimes have not been taught from a young age to love and so it, it's something and and i can guarantee you with like people who are addicted or who are coming out of active addiction it's something that needs to be taught. You know, when the, when when yeah. you've gone through and you've lived your life, you know, at, on a selfish streak where all you've ever thought about was yourself and your own needs, and yeah. that doesn't even have to be an addict. That could be a lot of that. That oh yeah, description can be for a lot of different things. Um, it it's the it's the little things that that are important. So last week you talked about when you came into NA. They gave you a job, which was the coffee person, but that was teaching you principles of, okay, well, I need to make sure that I have everything there. I need to go shop to make sure there's cups and there's sugar and there's coffee in order to to do something so that other people would be blessed. And right. so that was a small um, example of how to learn to love. You had to you know, you were responsible, and so that was your that was the gift that they knew that you could give at that point yeah yeah no when i got clean and sober i had to be taught how to go to somebody's house and eat lunch right i didn't know how to sit at a table i'd sit at a table and crawl out of my skin sober right around a bunch of people and talk small talk about stuff that i cared less about and i still a struggle today still a struggle (laughs) because i've got that that mind that wants to think its own thoughts and do its own thing and and so but but you learn now that hey it's not about you right right but right and it's that's a that's a process. It takes practice. And so the thing is is that when Jesus came to this earth, everybody was thinking their their thinking was on steroids that they were the ones who were chosen and nobody else belonged in the kingdom of heaven because it was given to them as a gift and they were it was weird so it's kind of like we have hummingbirds and everybody gets along and there's like hundreds of them sometimes and they're all kind of take their their turns but 
during a certain time in the summer, we have one that shows up. It is a... It's a rufus. It's a rufus. And this guy is the most self-centered hummingbird that you could ever see. And he, not only does he not let anybody drink from the hole that he's drinking from, he will protect two to three feeders and not allow another hummingbird come drink from those feeders. It's it's the most... But see, I, I think you some, see. sometimes with our picture of God, we can run God people away from God, just like that hummingbird run runs other birds away from the feeders. That's source of life, the source of their food, just by simply our our you know the way we carry ourselves and call ourselves Christians and the way that we treat other people exactly. So we have the truth and we feel we're entitled to the truth, but sometimes we don't feel that other people are entitled. Yeah, or God's not working in their lives because they don't believe the way we do. Right. I think that's really harmful because God has his children in all walks of life. They they all have different backgrounds. They're only responsible for what's been downloaded into their brain over their life, a lot of it voluntarily, but a lot of it involuntarily. Right. You know, I know you had a uh, you had a past that it doesn't resemble mine, but you had you had issues with God because of that past. Right. God right. knows all about that. Right. When you're walking down the street now, nobody can tell what had gone through your life and it was going through your mind. Right, right. So, so this is why Jesus says, you know, get the log out of your own eye. Absolutely. I'm dealing with all kinds of harmed children on this planet, and they've all been harmed in different ways, and I'm trying to untangle every one of their brains in, my, in their own way. So, you know, it's interesting. So when Jesus told this story, right, because it was in a crowd and the lawyer had asked, and so he's telling the story. So we know there were probably some Pharisees sure. and some Levites and some priests there, but what about maybe there were some people who had been broken, uh-huh. you know, on the street, and they're like, yeah— so I think he was reaching both sides of the story, the people who were guilty about of not ministering people to people and people who were angry because they weren't ministered to. Sure. Right? Because we can be on both spectrums. And God is saying, you know what? You guys live on a broken planet and there are no pain-free options. Right. Everything's going to be painful, whether right. you go to the doctor and get something, you get a broken bone set or whether you don't even go to the doctor. It's still going to be painful. Right. Once things are broken, there's no pain-free options. Right, and so there's brokenness in this full circle of life all around us, and God's like saying, okay, so where is it? Where, where are you at today on this spectrum? Are you going to help bro- me? Right, so where are you at on this spectrum of brokenness? Are you kind of like a Pharisee, or are you the person that's been beat up? Are you the Samaritan? Where are you? Where do you fit in this thing, and are you ready to change? And, yeah, are you d- ready to recognize whatever it is that you've got going on in your character, and are you ready to give that up and to, and, and to do the right thing? And, and I, I'm glad you said that, because I think the best way we can recognize that is when we help somebody else. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. When we get into service, because God's saying, I got a broken planet here. I need people help me. Right. You know, I got angels. They're all They're all doing what they're supposed to do. But I need people because people reach people. And so when we participate and help other people with problems that are similar to ours, we can actually get healing. We can actually, it's like looking in a mirror. Right. And sometimes I think that, and I seem to be noticing it more in my life, it's like um, there's so much, it seems like there's so much to do. And so you get caught up in the... Um, busy. Yeah, and you get worn out, and then maybe you're not doing the things that God really wants you to do, but you're doing other things. And then you can kind of get, you can beat yourself up for not fulfilling these 
these things that you believe God wants you to fulfill. And I think we need to recognize that God understands every where every person is and that he understands the things that are going against us right now. And um, and I think he he's trying to to help lift us all up to see that there is always a better way, but to not be discouraged no matter where you are in the struggle, right? Yeah. And if, remember, there's an enemy running around like a roaring lion, and a roaring lion instills what? Fear. Fear. Right. And so that's what's going on right now. So now this love one another, mm-hmm. this love your neighbor, love God, this is not some new message that Jesus just showed up with. Right. The message had been given through Moses that the Lord God is a great God, a mighty God, a terrible, and doth execute judgment of the fatherless and the widow and the loveth the stranger. Wherefore he commanded, Love ye therefore the stranger. Thou shalt love him as thyself. That's Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, chapter 10, 10, verses 17 through 19, and Leviticus chapter 19, uh, verse 34. So so Jesus is just coming and reiterating what has always been, right. the principles that have always been. Right, because we know Job said the strangers shouldn't lodge in the street, so he opened up the door to travelers. And then we know from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right, right that the two angels that came um, in the in the disguise of men, they came to, to Sodom and, and Lot begged them to come and to stay with his in his house all night long in order to protect them. Yeah. And so the religious leaders, they knew all of these passages, but they hadn't brought them into practical life. And I'm wondering, you know, if we're guilty of that also. And they hadn't applied the principles. And it's like we talked about earlier. It's like math. You know, you can watch the teacher, but if you don't apply it, it won't set itself home in your character. And they'd applied a different principle. They were trained, if you will, in the school of national bigotry, and they'd become selfish, narrow, and exclusive. And I, I, you know, this, it's easy to look back, and people throughout the Bible have always done that. They've always looked back and criticized the generations before them, and how could they have possibly been so blind? And so here we are again, we're doing the same thing. So I think this story applies to us. We're not going to try not to apply it to other people, but to ourselves. Do we do we have love in our heart like we should? It's been the principle throughout the ages. Right. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a different day, but it's the same old problem. Same old problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the parable, a certain man said Jesus was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, which both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in like manner, a Levi also... When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. And that's Luke chapter 10. Right. And when they looked at the wounded man, they couldn't tell whether or not he was of their nation. Right? So they mm-hmm. thought that there, there's a possibility that maybe he was a Samaritan. So they went ahead and they turned away Fear. from him. Yes. Fear. Because the way Jesus presents the story, and remember, he's speaking to a lawyer, but everybody else is around um, also. The lawyer thought that everyone basically acted okay up to this point, because if it was a Samaritan, hey, we weren't supposed to touch him anyway, right? So all's good up to, and then Jesus flips everything around, and he has the Samaritan come by, and he says, a certain Samaritan in his journey came where the sufferer was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, 
and he didn't question whether the stranger was a Jew or a Gentile. Right. If it w- if he was a Jew, the Samaritan knew that their con- if that if their condition was reversed, that the man would spit on his face and pass him by with contempt. But he didn't hesitate on account of this. He didn't consider that he himself might be in danger of violence if anybody if he lingered in that place too long. It was enough for him that there was a human being in need and who was suffering. He took off his own garment and covered the man. And then the oil and the wine that he had had for his own journey, he used to heal and refresh the wounded man. He lifted him on his own beast, moved him along, probably moved him along slowly so he wouldn't be jarred, and so there wouldn't be any more suffering or as little of suffering as possible. And he brought him to an inn, and he cared for him throughout the night. Now, I'm sure this Samaritan had a place to go. Right. So he cares for him throughout the night, watching him. And then in the morning, as the sick man approved a little bit, the Samaritan went on his way. But what did he do before he went? Right. Before, before doing this, he placed him in the care of the innkeeper. He paid the charges and he left a deposit for the man's benefit. And um, satisfied even this, he made provision for even further needs, saying to the, um, to the innkeeper, take care of him. And whatever you spend more, when I come back, I will repay you that cost. Then the story ends, and Jesus looks at the lawyer probably, and then he probably, you know, when someone is telling a story to get to you, Mm -hmm. and he looks at the guy and he says, which of these three thinkest thou provided or proved to be a neighbor unto him that fell among the robbers? And the lawyer, this is interesting. This is a little piece that you don't pick up, but he won't even say the word Samaritan. He says, he that showed mercy on him. Because, you know, it was kind of like a dirty word to Right, them. he could have said the Samaritan did, right? He didn't. He said right. he that showed mercy right. on him. Yeah. And so the question is, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Is forever answered. It is. Right. And so Christ has shown that our neighbor does not mean one of a certain church or of a faith of which we belong to. It has no reference to race, color, or class distinction. Our neighbor is every person who needs our help. Our neighbor is every soul who was wounded and bruised by the adversary. Our neighbor is everyone who is the property of God. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of people that are in the hospital, and they may have the same, a very similar disease, but it may be manifesting itself in different forms. Mm-hmm. You know, a certain form of cancer, but it m- might be a lung cancer versus uh, a throat cancer or a, 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 a some other and so people when we have when they have those diseases they can kind of sympathize with one another yeah mm-hmm. well you know i had a brain cancer or whatever yeah i have cancer of this or whatever and they sympathize but but it's all the same disease see and i don't think we see humanity that way right well do i think it's because none of us we don't recognize the, that we all have the disease of sin yeah, and selfishness, selfishness and fear fear right it's an infection right it's an infection of fear that manifests itself that we protect ourselves at everybody else's cost right and if we could see everybody else as when someone is lashing out in anger we see that that's a manifestation of the infection of fear right and of course those of us that have nourished and cultivated those bad character traits in lashing out or whatever the 
numbing mm-hmm. if it's if it happens to be drugs or alcohol or you know there's power, a power or, many, or whatever right. uh, we we all exhibit those traits of character if you will or those fruits as a manifestation of our infection of fear right and we tend to isolate ourselves into places so that we you know we don't have to confront you know the opportunity to confront our selfishness mm-hmm. and our fearfulness is not we we try to um you know protect ourselves from coming into those circumstances. Yeah, we do. So it's really, I was just thinking, it's really easy. Oh, yeah, she looks at me, he's thinking, uh uh-oh. It's really easy to look at this parable and criticize the priest and Levite, but how often do we dwell on what this Samaritan did? Right. That he he not only took him there, but he cared for him throughout the night. Then he then he makes sure he's cared for, and then he's when I come back, if I owe you any more. I mean, this guy goes the gave, extra. He gave everything. He gave right. everything, and and you know, I think we mentioned it in the last program. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. He gave everything. He came. You know, we we are the broken, bruised, robbed person in the gutter, and Jesus came and, and poured out everything and, for you know, our and, restoration. Yeah, and God's a busy man, right? He really is, but you know, just like when Nicodemus says, "Hey, can I meet you at night?" Jesus didn't look at his watch and say, "No, I'm a busy man. I can't. I can't meet you." You know, no. He said, "I'll meet you on your terms. When? Where? Just let me know." Right. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Jesus and this little planet here. Mm-hmm. This planet was in need, so he came. Right. This the 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 man that had got robbed was in need, and the and Samaritan. Samaritan came. Right. It's it, it it's a principle that life is based on. And that God's been trying to show us time and time again, if you just check your ego at the curb and help one another, you're all dying of the same disease. Right. And we cannot seem to get that through our head. And we criticize and we envy and we continue with all these these things that get us nowhere other than puff us up as human beings and put other people down. Right. You know, and and I think society is getting um, it it just the manifestations of this are getting more and more. And so uh, let's not um, let's not do that in our Christian walk. Right. Try to be as open as we can in order to meet the needs of somebody. And that the need is may not be that you go and you pick somebody out of the street, but there could be somebody who... Needs a smile. Or needs a prayer, or needs a, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about you. And mm-hmm. and it's it's those little things. And not only that, but that helps our habits become our character. Yeah, just know? small things. Text somebody in the morning and tell them to have a good day. Right, you have somebody that texts you every day, yeah, and it's I a have, real blessing. I, it's yeah. become something that you look forward to, and now you participate in. And I'll pull his covers. His name is Ronnie Wyatt from Lincoln, and I'm so happy to have a friend like that every morning. And then 6 a.m., I get a text from him. And then him. it leads to the place where maybe um, peop- you can help somebody else in a, in a way that you least expect it, and that's what God is desiring us to do is just to be available yeah it's it's not available yeah there's no you you climb a mountain one step at a time and we're not climbing the mountain right now we're doing the one step at a time and then all of a sudden you look around and you are at the top of the mountain but just take the step take the little steps encourage those people that i mean right now we have a whole host of people that are 
are stricken with disease. There's death all around us. Susan and I are, are um, doing a couple of things this weekend. And, and we, you know, it's just I'm getting phone calls all the time of people that are, you know, have got cancer or they've got this or they've got that. And it's, you know, you can let it wear you out or you can be there for them. Send them a text. Send them a song that means something right. to you. Send them Anything. a package. We send packages yeah. out all the time. Be and a par- it's, yeah, just know. be a part. Participate right. in some in small way. Can. Yeah, ask somebody how they're doing and ask them by looking them in the eye. Right. And really wanting to know because that's all people need right now. We're going to have to wrap it up again. That was a quick program. It seemed like one anyway. Yes. Um, shoot us a call, 916-645-1297. Free resources. We'll ship them right out to you. Um, and remember folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do you love them? Can I feel his pain and his Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could it be this simple, the way out of your prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.